Hey everyone, this is Michael Giacchino, and you're listening to Across the Bifrost. Whosoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. everybody welcome to this episode of across the bifrost this is the mighty thor podcast where on each and every episode we explore the world of marvel's mighty thor i am your host ryan Doze, and i am i am co-hostless today i will's not here faz isn't here it's a wintry day in nebraska and i needed i needed someone to talk to on this episode so we brought in a special special guest michael giacchino is here and we are going to talk hey. some, some music, some MCU, and Thor Love and Thunder, probably a bunch of other stuff sure. too. But Michael, welcome to Across the Bifrost, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. We Now, for, for those that, that don't know of the Werewolf by Night podcast done by Matt Howell and Jacob Balcom, uh, they are uh, mut- mutual friends of Michael yep. and myself. And they got to know you kind of, you know, as you were getting ready to direct and, and do Werewolf by Night. They had you on the show. A bunch. Yeah, well, what was weird? Well, basically what happened was yeah. I got to know them before they got to know me because right. I listened to every episode of that podcast. And most of it was over the pandemic. And uh, and I loved it. I mean, I couldn't believe that someone actually did a podcast about <laughs> Werewolf by Night. You know, I mean, right. I, at the before that, I thought I was the only person who even knew about it. So, uh, and I know that I know that's that's an exaggeration, but but uh, it, it's not Marvel's most popular character Mm-mm. for sure. And and you know it, it's oh, and even when it shows up in outside of its run, it's it's weird and it's all of that. So yeah, when I found, I just literally stumbled across this thing on the internet. I was like, "Are you kidding me? What?" And I started listening from the from the first episode, and I just. It was amazing. It was just incredible to have that uh, to listen to through the pandemic while we were, you know, uh, writing the uh, show. I was just learning so much about, you know, I always loved the comic as a kid, but I didn't know a whole lot about the creators, the artists, the anchors, all of the stuff, the editor, all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And so for me, it was just this nerdy, wonderful uh, inside look at werewolf by night and i loved every second of it and, but i couldn't tell them that i was listening to it right you know because i was working on the thing so i was just like and then at some point i you know i was following them of course on twitter then i was like oh they have a twitter oh they have an instagram i started following them and i think that's when they were like oh something's up here so why is he following us <laughs> <laughs> there's there's something that we need to figure out here <laughs> yes exactly and it was funny to hear them talk about it on the show every once in a while, like in this very sort of, uh, yeah. but then I eventually emailed them and said, Hey, uh, I would love, there's so much, I would love to talk to you about. I can't right now, but I love the show. Oh, Keep doing what you're doing. Man. And uh, when, when it comes you know, down to it, hopefully we can uh, get together and talk. And then when we, when we did meet, it was like, Oh, 
we're going to be friends. These are, these are, these are awesome people. And, uh, and yeah, we became <laughs> friends. It's been, I, been so much fun. Jacob and Matt, I mean, they, I, I've, I've, I've picked their brains on so many things, you know, having like having a podcast, just kind of like man to man stuff. Uh, even like yep. I even asked them for relationship advice once that was, that was awesome. Uh, those guys, wow, that was brave. Like, that yeah, was brave. I know. I know. Uh, Jacob, Jacob <laughs> we'll put it this way. Jacob was a lot of help. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they're like they were so helpful for me like just getting into this game and like making yep. the connection with them was was so awesome and i i i got to a point where i was supporting them on patreon as well and i i kept hearing about this michael g guy this michael yeah. g who like we didn't know who we didn't know who this michael g was but you were uh you were at the star god level uh i believe um yeah. and yep. i was like the second that they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a, a level of, of uh, Patreon called Star God level. I was like, well, I have to I have to be a part of of that club. Um, <laughs> so we've both been supporting their show and they put me in contact with your assistant. We got to put this all together. Okay. So like huge shout out to Matt and Jacob. They are yes. phenomenal they're the guys best. and friends. Yeah, they're the, they're the best. So I um we, we are we are here today because uh, you composed and did music for a little movie that came out a few months ago called Thor: Love and Thunder, and we're gonna yes. talk a lot about that. But before we get to that, I want to let listeners know about who you are. You know where where you you know where your fandom came from, where your love of film and music came from. So we're just gonna dive into our chat, and listeners, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, this uh, little conversation we're going to have. So the first question we start with on across the Bifrost is where in the nine realms do you call home or which one of the nine realms would you call home? (laughs) (laughs) That's the opening curveball. (laughs) Yeah, that is it. That's a crazy one. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that any of, you know, like I'm, I'm, my experience with Thor started at a 7-Eleven in New Jersey. And like uh, everybody. (laughs) Yes. And it was buying comics. And at that time, and I explained this to Matt and Jacob, I was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a massive comic collector because if I had money, my money would go to movie film, you know? And I would buy movie films because I was making stop motion films and, you know, incessantly. It's all I did growing up was make movies. So, um, but when I had extra money, I'd go to 7-Eleven. I'd be able to pick out a few comics. And I actually still have, I think I still have the very first, I should have looked at it and told you which which issue it was, but I didn't. (laughs) I still have the first Thor one. I I remember it was was part of an Avengers thing. It was an Avengers thing thing but it was centered on him a story centered on him i forget what it is if i i'll i find it i'll i'll email you and let you know yeah let Um, me know but uh but i was i always loved the way he looked like i liked the colors and in those days in the seas it was pretty bright you know i mean it wasn't oh yeah you know it was pretty bright colors and uh i i thought that was awesome and it was also funny to me the way he talked you know, I always thought that it was very funny. His his speech patterns were always hilarious. Uh, so that that that's my thing. But I was never like, I never collected every Thor comic. I never did all of the, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until yeah. years later when the first Thor came out that I was like, oh, that's right. Uh, that, that, that character, you know, and I remember seeing that yeah. first movie 
And I was thinking like, wow, this, you know, it had this really cool humor to it, which I was glad that they kept. Yeah. I glad that they kept his sort of out of time or out of place sort of personality, you know, uh, the anachronistic sort of things that he would do. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the realms. I'm like, you know, it, you know, and if we're, this is where I might, my, my, I have a limit to my nerdiness of Thor. So name, name these realms to me is one is Asgard considered a realm? Asgard is considered one of the realms. It's a, uh, yeah. it's, it's the principal one of them that there's Midgard, Vanaheim, okay. Spartelheim, right. Muspelheim, Niflheim, Nidabalir. This is all the stuff they're talking about when they're when they're okay. Got it. When, when basically <laughs> when whenever Anthony Hopkins does a monologue, this is what he's talking about. <laughs> yes, 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 but, yes. Um, yes. but I mean, yeah, that's uh. Well, but I wouldn't know one from the other, unfortunately. Well, so, you know hey. what I mean? Like, uh, my my, you know, but but uh, but Asgard seems okay. I mean, you know, yeah. why not? That's, I mean, that seems like the popular place anyways. You you know, you would think that usually uh, people don't choose Asgard. It's it's when they're well, like, the artists are like, oh, give me like the ones that look like hell or the ones that are really dark and foreboding. Or, oh my uh, God, I, believe... I don't want to live there. No, 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 I wouldn't. No, 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 no. I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> but you, know. uh, you you already mentioned kind of uh, your, your, you know, your the impetus to like get you involved yeah. in, in comics. Did you have any favorites as a child when you were well, werewolf by night, whenever I found, I remember finding, and I think I found my first werewolf by night. It was like at this place called the Columbus Mart. And it was sort of a, um, a swap meet or a flea market type thing that was open in the summers. And every yeah. Thursday it would be there. And my mom would go every Thursday to buy, you know, you could get cheap shirts and cheap clothes for the kids and things like that. But they also had all of these different, stalls where where people would sell you know certain kinds of fireworks or or old uh, you know old <laughs> toys or awesome. just, you know it's like a it's like a giant garage sale basically but <laughs> there was this one guy that that always had like tons of comics and he was always selling so i'd spend a lot of time going through all of the comics and i found a lot of the uh monster comics of the 70s and in particular werewolf by night which i loved and I remember just reading that going, thinking this is the coolest thing in the world. I love this so much, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I wish I had like, you know, the money to go ahead and buy all of the, all the issues at the time, but it was just sporadic. So whenever I could find one or wherever I could get one, I grabbed yeah. it and I take it home and keep it. And then of course, you know, uh, Dracula and, and the other ones as well. I, the Frankenstein run was incredible. And it's where, you know, looking, the artwork was just amazing, which I loved, you know, yeah. um, Mike Plug, of course, was sort of the first sort of one that I was like, really like uh, obsessed with as a kid without even really knowing who Mike Plug was. In fact, when I was 10 years old, 10 years old, my my father asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday. And I said, I want to go to the World Trade Center in New York City. I, OK, I, you know, I loved the the original King Kong, but I also loved the Dilo De Laurentiis King Kong as well. Okay, yeah. Dino De Laurentiis. And, uh, you know, so that was around the same time as when I was turning 10. So I said, can I go to, can we go to the World Trade Center? And he said, yeah. So he drove me up on my 10th birthday. He and my, his best friend, who was basically like an uncle to me, uh, Jack Schleider, and they said, we're going to go to the World Trade Center. And Jack Schleider, his 
cousin was Jack Jackie Abel, who was okay. an artist that was working at Marvel at the time. And he said, you know, Jackie said, we can come by the office and visit Marvel offices. And so at 10 years old, I went and visited oh, him come on. at the Marvel offices. And I remember as a kid walking around and seeing all of these who at the time, you know, I looked at as older people, you know, they right. were like kids, they were older people. And I was like, you know, my my reference point for the jobs you could have in life were, you know, my parents were teachers, you know, you could work at the grocery store, you could work as a mailman, you could do all of the things that you, you know, talk about in kindergarten and all of those things, you know. But when I saw people sitting in these cubes and, and, and sort of just drawing and inking and doing all, I was like, wait, you could do this is like a job you can have. People can grow <laughs> oh, up and my. do this. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. <laughs> you know, and I and, and he was the sweetest, sweetest uh, guy to me. He was so nice and he showed me around. I saw all these drawings that he had done and, and it was just just incredible. The guy, the guy, the guy was, uh, you know, a master and he, he died too soon. But um, he uh, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, he might've died at the office. Um, oh my goodness. Anyway, not thankfully not that day. Uh, <laughs> that that would have been an awkward trip to the Marvel. Yes. Office. But that was an incredible trip to New York city. And we, we, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So it was a, you know, an hour and a half drive into the city or so. Um, and I'll never forget that day. It was just an incredible day. But I remember, you know, being there in those offices, seeing everyone around and I, I was 10. So I don't even know who else was there at the time i could have been around all these other legends that i didn't yeah. even realize um, that, that, i mean probably some of the some of the names in that in that building that day probably would have made you as an adult be like oh my gosh i can't believe yeah they were there you know yeah. it, yes but i know and i i do i do love thinking about that and i suppose there's ways to to sort of find out who was <laughs> there at the time you know i'm sure there's plenty of people that probably listen to your uh podcast that would that are right now as they're listening to this going, wait a minute, that would have been around this time. So yeah. there would have been this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. You know what I mean? So, oh, I, 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 a few, a few listeners just came to mind where I'm like, I think we could hunt this down for, for Michael yes. if we, if we needed to. There, it like, would be, it was 1977. Uh, I was born in 67. So my 10th birthday was 77. And um, is that how that works? You know so. what? I, I think, you know, uh, listeners that have that researching, you know, I investigative mind run yeah. wild um, yes. and we'll, we'll get Michael some answers. Um, yes, that would be when, amazing. But honestly, sometimes like, you know, we're here to talk about, you know, comics and comic book properties. But normally when your name comes up to people, they they obviously think music first. So yes. Yes, when, yes. when did music become a part of your life? And when did you know you wanted to do music um, kind of as more than a hobby? Well, it was never something I grew up wanting to do. Do you know what I mean? Not to yeah. say that I don't like doing it. I love doing it. I, but it wasn't ever on my mind as the thing that uh, I was going to be doing. So I, I, I thought I'd be making movies in some, somehow. And of course, that is a big part of making movies is writing the score. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, but I thought I would be more behind the camera doing things in visual effects uh, or at the okay. time special effects. I, I was really into miniatures and building things. I like, as I said, I, I made stop motion movies my whole childhood. And, um, 
and I then grew up into making live action films and I love the special effects aspect of it all. And I loved, um, you know, watching films like Earthquake or, or, or uh, you know, Airport 77 and things like that, where, where there was a lot of model use, you know? Yeah. And they would make these models and they would photograph them. And I was obsessed with that. And of course, then when Star Wars uh, I mean, came out, that was the ultimate movie that was using <laughs> models. You know what I mean? Right? The ultimate, um, the ultimate, my, and the, 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 you know, the sort of um, birth of ILM was yeah, like yeah. an incredible time for me. And I was as obsessed with the people that worked there as I was with the movie itself. Um, yeah. And, and so I would try and find out as much as I could about it. So my whole trajectory was towards filmmaking. And uh, I went to film school at the School of Visual Arts. I graduated from college there uh, and then ended up working my day job at Disney uh, in publicity. Oh, uh, nice. I started, yeah, I started actually at Universal in publicity, moved over to, to, to Disney publicity. And it was great there because I got to meet a lot of filmmakers. I got to meet the people wow. that were the producers cool. as they were the films were getting because at the point that I was involved in the movies, then it would be the movie was finished and now they got to sell it, you know? Right. And so we would be working on setting up interviews with filmmakers and all that. So I was learning a lot about, you know, the process of filmmaking outside of just the making of the film on the set and doing all those things. It was like, oh, there's this whole other aspect to making movies. And <laughs> I was people also, actually come see the movie. <laughs> Yes, exactly. How do you, how, exactly. I never thought about that as a kid, you know? Right, right. Um, although I loved all the standees I would see in the theaters and I, the posters and stuff, <laughs> but I never thought like, oh, somebody has to do this. This is a thing. Right. Or the interviews that I read, uh, you know, in the newspapers or magazines. So, uh, so it was a really good education in that respect. But music, you know, even when I was in college, I was writing music. I started getting more interested in writing music because I was really curious about how it worked. And I had taken piano lessons all my life, but I, and I had a band and I was, you know, I, we would play at local bars or whatever. Um, but writing music, especially like orchestral music was something I was just very interested in. And I started learning about it, started buying books about it. I took day classes at Juilliard in New York when I was there. Um, awesome. I, yeah, and I just started learning more and more and doing more and more of it. And then I eventually moved out to L.A., worked for Disney in L.A. about 1990 or so. I, I'm uh, 91. I moved out to L.A. Okay. And then I took, while I was working at Disney there on the lot, I was also uh, taking night classes at UCLA, learning more about orchestration and instrumentation, yeah. all these things. So, uh, and I just started writing more music. And then I got a, uh, my first paying job was writing a small little jingle for a Disney commercial. Which okay. Was sort of, they, they did these things called movie news, you know, movie news. It was sort yeah. of a veiled, a veiled, uh, it was a veiled commercial. It was really a commercial, but it was really made it, it, it sound like, oh, we're going to tell you some news. And this, <laughs> right, this right. Disney movie's coming out this week and blah, 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 you know, and you're like, oh, you know. So they needed a little like small intro and outro for that. And yeah. I went to the head of the marketing division at that time, uh, one of the heads, and she was her name was Terry Press. And I said, let me, they were, they were getting submissions from all of these different agencies. And I was like, let me, let, can I put one in too? And she was like, <laughs> sure, put it in. And I'll put it in with Why the rest not? of the pile we, with no, no names on it. And we'll pick whichever one we like. I was like, great. And they ended up picking mine. 
and I, I think I got like, I don't know, at, at the time it was like a thousand dollars, but a thousand dollars was like, it's like somebody just handed me a million dollars. Right, know right. I mean? And I was like, <laughs> what? Uh, that like what? And That's I was awesome. it, and I remember I spent it on a new synthesizer that that I could have uh, to help. You know, right? Anyway, nice. That sort of thing continued to happen. I was getting opportunities when I was I I, I left publicity to become a producer in the video game in, um, division at Disney at Disney Interactive, and they would ask me to write music for things. So I was writing music constantly and uh and it just sort of grew and then uh, i got opportunities to do bigger games once i uh you know like the lost world when i was with dreamworks yeah um and then uh, uh after that uh, it, it, uh medal of honor right and it was, right medal of honor is what jj abrams played with his friends he had a friend jesse um who who gave him the game and um Jesse Alexander said, hey, I, I, I think you'll like the music in this game. You should listen to it. And JJ listened to it. And he was like, we should hire him to do the music for Alias. And that was like the big, that was like the big, the big turn. You know, I mean, well, that was the second turn. The first one was the Lost World video game. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He's the one who heard some wow. music that I was writing and said, hey, this could be great for the game. And, 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 and you should do this and we should record it with a live orchestra. And <sighs> And I, oh, I cool. swear, if that did not happen, if that moment did not happen, you and I would not be sitting here talking right now. <laughs> you know, uh, you, yeah. you you owe it to Spielberg in a in a significant way. Yes, exactly, exactly. Wow. So, so I'm just like, you know, uh, wait. Once is my video paused? Um, I think I think it's glitched. Um, it's glitched. It's, Let me try. Something. It's been uh been frozen for a little bit oh there we go there's there's, yeah so um, the the motion we we expect Um, yes there we go okay so uh if 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 that moment did not happen i never would be wouldn't be sitting here talking to you so um steven really put me on this path uh with the video games and then jj took me from there and then Brad Bird listened to the music from Alias, and then from there into The Incredibles. Yeah, which it, was you know, and then then everything went crazy after that. <laughs> which so it was. Which people like okay, I, so I think when sometimes like there's a few names that, like in the in the film like music and composing world, there's a few names that like jump out to people, uh-huh. and you can be like you associate them with certain films. I just. Before I get to my next question, I want to hit people with a, a lit, like a small snapshot of your body of work, okay. and um, and see if they, you know, if they're listening, they get overwhelmed, or they just want to like listen to Spotify after I mention some of these things. You have worked on <laughs> properties like Star Wars, Star Trek, Pixar films, Lost, Planet of the Apes, Mission Impossible, like you just mentioned, Medal of Honor. Jurassic World, the Batman, and that's not even mentioning the Marvel projects. Um, yeah. Here's the question. Here's the question, though. Which one of these projects were you like, "Oh my gosh, I can't be, I can't believe I get to do blank." Uh, pretty much every one of them. Okay. Uh, be- because it was a a um, if you look at all those projects, you will find that like almost every one of them, Star Trek. 
I loved as a kid. I had, yeah. the, I played with all the toys. I, uh, I did, you know, I had, I had all of that stuff available to me. I, I loved it. I was drawing pictures of the Enterprise all the time. <laughs> uh, Planet, of the, Planet of the Apes, same exact thing. I was uh, drawing pictures of Planet of the Apes. I was playing with the, the I had the Treehouse uh, playset, which was <laughs> is one of my prized possessions. I still have it here in my office um today uh i had all the action figures i, I you know um you know batman i had batman and action figures i had um you know spider-man action figures i had all of these things like star wars of course yes i had yeah. all, like a bunch of star wars things too so almost everything i have done you know which is some franchise-based thing was something i was obsessed with as a kid so yeah. all of them i'm like how I don't know how that all happened. I really don't. I'm really happy it did because I I I still love these things as as much as I ever did. Yeah. And so when I get to work on one of them, it, it means a lot to me, and I take it very seriously. And I try to dig down deep into like how I felt as a kid when I was really yeah you know first sort of uh, introduced to these project these kinds of things. So for me. Um, yeah, I'm always amazed. And then then to be a part of the original things like what Pixar does, yeah, it is just as important because um, you know, putting out something into the world that then becomes something that people a part of people's lives like I like it makes me think of when I was a kid and the stuff they were making it became a part of my life and now I'm a part of making things that are part of other yeah. people's lives. Like it's a really cool and uh, I'm very thankful for it. And I, you know, I, I don't take it lightly. Like I, I, because of how much I love these things growing up. We were, we were talking a little bit before we, we, we hit record that um, like my kids, you know, like most kids, they love Pixar movies and you've done yeah. so many, so many Pixar properties that basically we could like, we could throw on like a, a playlist shuffle of your stuff. And they'd be like, Oh, that's from Coco. That's from Incredibles. That's from up. Like they would know. So basically you right. provided the soundtrack for, for their, for their growing up and, and a little bit of my older growing up. So it's, it's kind of cool to see how like, uh -huh that even brings like me and my kids together. Um, you know, kind of like you were talking about connecting people with memories and nostalgia. And it's just, it's, it's such a cool, yeah. um, cool little part of like what you bring to the, you know, the music side of movies. I'm, there's a few different names that I, I wanted to throw out to you. And obviously you're familiar with, with these, uh, uh, with these, um, with these guys, cause you've worked with them, but you've collaborated with, uh, people like Matt Reeves, uh, John Watts, JJ Abrams, you know, a, a lot, a lot of times where you've, you've worked with someone multiple times. And I was wondering if you could tell listeners, what is that relationship like with the, the director's chair and then the composing music side of making a film? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's all about, you know, the thing we share is this love of storytelling. And, and so with every one of those people you mentioned, um, the thing they care about most is the story, right? You know, and 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 as they should, and because and music-wise, music can completely uh, ruin a movie, absolutely ruin a movie. That that you know, and this these directors, uh, everyone that you just mentioned, they work on these things for years, right? It's not just they come in for, you know, a couple months like I do, and <laughs> you know, do my thing. And then, 
head off to the next one. They're right. on it for years, right? Yeah. And it's it's so it's very, very I have to be very careful about what I do because well, to put it this way, Brad, one of my first meetings with Brad Bird, when after I got hired for the Incredibles, he 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 said to me, he goes, you know, um, your music could ruin my movie. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I suppose so. But uh, and he goes, look, what I mean is, if 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 you and I aren't on the same page every step of the way, then the audience is going to start thinking things we don't want them to think. It's going to start, uh, they're going to start feeling things we don't want them to feel, and. So you, you just, we have to be together on this. Like we both have to understand the story in the same way. And it's so true, you know? And uh, because one wrong note in a film score could get the audience thinking something that's wrong, yeah. you know, that you don't yeah. want. So you have to be careful. So it's, it's, it's and, and, and so all those years learning how to do that and doing that together with these incredible people that I've been lucky enough to work with uh, taught me a lot, you know? Uh, and I was always music to me was always about story always. So even when I would listen to the soundtracks of star Wars or empire or, 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 or um, planet of the apes or whatever it was, King Kong, I would always relive that story in my head by listening to the music. Yeah. And then when I would listen to like classical music by somebody like Rossini, uh, you know, I would invent new stories in my head, you know, Oh, cool. Uh, you know, so it was always about storytelling. And I, I think that that's really the bullseye for any of this is to make sure you're focused on the story. Yeah. So my relationship with them is not necessarily talking about music. It's talking about story. Yeah. I talk about story with them. I, you know, when we sit down uh, and it's all about my, the way I approach it is I want the audience to understand how that character is feeling at that moment. So it's not, you're not necessarily telling the audience what they're, what they're feeling you're letting them into the emotion itself yeah if you write yeah. the right music that music will just embody how peter parker feels you know at a moment yeah. when when he's not connecting with mj or or when he's facing off with whoever you know like it's it, it, you know he might be scared he might be all of these things but you have to find that right emotion and and music is is tricky because it's hard to talk about music, but a lot of my time is spent sitting there at the piano, finding the right chords or the right yeah. melody to, to, to that, that, that best embodies what I think that that story is or what that emotion is that is being asked for at the moment. You know? So, so when you get hired on to do like, a, like, a, like say you get hired on to do a, a big movie and yeah. what is that like, Maybe just like footnote, you know, like the 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 uh, the the um the abridged version of like what does it look like to get that from the beginning to like I'm sitting in the theater watching a movie that your score is playing. Um, how, how what are the kind of like the key well, steps in that process? First thing is me watching the movie. Sometimes, depending on the filmmaker, I will read the script, but I try not to do that too often because when you read a script, you're envisioning your version of the movie in your head. Yeah. And then when I see the movie, ultimately, I'm like, oh, that's that's different. That's not what I was thinking. I would, you know, so I usually wait for a cut of the film to see. And then when I see that, I um, come back home. I sit at the piano over here and I. Um, I just try to find the 
notes that uh, reflect how I felt about that movie. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and once I do, I can start figuring out uh, um, themes for the film and I write a suite, which is basically, it could be anywhere from seven to 12 to 14 minutes long, depending on how, what I want to do. But say for Planet of the Apes, uh, I went and saw the film, I came home, I thought about it for a couple of days and I started writing music that reflected how I felt about the movie. Awesome. And then I took that suite and it was, you know, it's at this point, it's still just um, samples and mocked up with synths and, and things like that. So it's not, you know, recorded with an orchestra yet, but it's, 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 it's enough where you can really um, understand what's going on. So I, yeah. I take that and I sit with the director and I play it for them. And I just let them, we sit there in silence for 14 minutes or whatever it is. And, and hopefully when it's done, you know, I remember, you know, Matt was, when, when, when I did that with him on Planet of the Apes, he was just like, I don't know what our movie is, but that feels like our movie. That's yeah, our movie. And that's awesome. he's like, I don't, I don't know how to get to that. <laughs> but we have to get to that. We have to get to that, you know? Oh, um, that's phenomenal. So, so, so then, and that, that's the springboard for it all. And then from there, uh, once we, we're all in agreement on, that this is working, then I, I, I sit down and start. I always work in order. I don't do cues out of order. I, 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 I like starting at the very beginning of the movie oh, okay. and slowly making my way through it. That way I feel like I'm building a proper story and I can, uh, I can you know, develop the music along with the characters and the story as it progresses in the film. If I jump ahead to the third act and do something, the music I write there might, might not have been earned because I might not do something similarly or you know something that builds yeah. properly to it. So I like to keep it all in order. Once I write the cues, the director will come here to the office and they will sit here and I'll play it up on the screen and we'll talk about it. And if he and, 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 and if there's anything that uh, he or she feels could be different or change, we figure it out right there on the spot. I go, oh, let me change it. And I can play something new in oh, on cool. a spot and go, okay, so maybe, maybe we take this part out and we'll just add this in instead. Maybe just a simple rhythm or a, something on the timpani will help. And then I can play it back instantly and they'll go, yes, that's it. That, oh, that, no. that, that works you know, for me. Because awesome. they're having, they're tracking their own things that they want to make sure right. are hit. Um, and then from there, it's it's all about you know preparing for the orca for the orchestra recording, and orchestrating orchestrating and getting the, you know, it's a it's a lot of uh, technical stuff and organizational skills to get to the, <laughs> get to the stage because you're preparing music for a hundred or so musicians. Right. Yeah. Uh, not a small task and those and those days are really fun though once you're on the, with the orchestra and that's when it really comes to life is when the players put their soul into the music that you right. wrote it's a it's a it's an incredible sort of um frankenstein moment i always <laughs> feel like you know when, and when yeah exactly and 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 there's never been a time when i haven't felt that oh. uh, when we first start recording something you know, you feel like, oh, it's it's because you're sitting there for the longest time listening to these um, synth demos or mock-ups and, you know, they're fine, but but it does not have the emotional weight that a real orchestra has. Like the, the, the full-bodied, like, flavor yes. of the whole process. Yeah, and I love having the orchestra all together 
together in the same room, recording everyone at the same time. A lot of people will record every section separately, um, which we did have to do over the during the pandemic because you could only have X amount of people yeah. together at a time. And so that was an interesting challenge to do that. But normally, if I had my way, it would be everyone in the room, same time, do it. The way that, you know, uh, you know, Jerry Goldsmith used to do it or Max Steiner or John Williams does, you know, I mean, yeah. that's the only way to get the real sound of the orchestra. And that way the players yeah. are playing against each other. They're, there's an energy there that if, if, if say the string section's missing and the brass is just there doing their thing, they don't really know what's happening on the other side. They're just yeah. doing their thing. Whereas if they hear it in the room, there's a, there's a tension and an energy that is created, which is to me so much better than, uh, than the separated parts. You can really feel it when it's done that way. Um, you know, and some, some have done it to great effect, I will say. So it's, it's, yeah. it's just more a personal thing for me uh, that I, that I like. I have been fortunate enough to, you know, you just mentioned John Williams and um, uh -huh. I've been fortunate enough to go to a, it's kind of a cool little like uh, thing that they do here. And I probably, they do it many places, but the, um, the Omaha symphony um, down here, a few hours from me, they have been going through the star Wars movies and having the live orchestra there as you're watching the movie. Yeah. And I've seen so empire fun. at least, I mean, handfuls of times. So I could well, not take, score. I could not take my eyes off of the off of the the band. I could not take my eyes off of yeah. them because, like, I know what's happening in the movie. Um, but yeah. like, there's so many different like like different subtle things that like when you watch them play, you're like, oh my gosh, that's why I feel that way. Like at this part in the movie, and it's kind of cool to watch them work as yeah. you know, a movie is going on um and i wish we could do that with all movies like that'd be incredible but i I've... we do it a lot actually we've done uh many of the movies that i've worked on that way uh so we did you know we, we were one of the the first ones doing it years ago we, it, we did it with star trek at the royal albert hall in in, oh, in london we did it in texas cool. uh as well around the same time and it was just such a such a fun thing to do and then we started we so we've done every star trek movie that way we actually premiered star trek 3 star trek beyond that way at oh, comic-con so cool we were at comic-con and pre premiered it with a live orchestra which was insane because if anything went wrong that would have been a disaster <laughs> nuts yeah uh, but you know you know we did it and, it and it worked out great and that was really fun so anytime we get to do that is always great and i love i'll never forget we did uh, star trek at the hollywood bowl and um just hearing the audience's reaction, oh. you know, uh, I, was so fun because I told everyone before it started, I was addressing the audience and said, you know, there's like good guys and bad guys. So feel free to boo the bad guys and cheer for the good guys. This is not an event where you need to be silent. This is not like a classical music thing where you're told to just be patient and sit and listen. I said, think of this, just have fun. You, yeah. if you feel like you want to act, do it. And everyone did. And it was so fun to just hear everyone applauding and cheering right. during different parts. You know, uh, it was just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty special experience to be able yeah. to do that. It's, it's a very, it's a very, very refreshing way to watch something that 
you know, like, like empire I've seen it, you know, uh, yeah. 25 plus times, um, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's, it's incredible, but um, I wanted to kind of like shift our focus a little bit more towards your MCU projects. Cause you've sure. got a, a handful of them under your belt at this point. Um, you know, that includes uh, the Spider-Man movies, Dr. Strange uh, Thor, which we're going to get into and, you know, your most recent MCU project, the werewolf by night. What yeah. has, your relationship with the studio been like since i mean you've done so many different properties over various characters yeah you know we 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 came close to working together a bunch of times early on you know um captain america was one of them and it just for whatever reason it, the timing didn't work out and 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 there were other things going on so i couldn't really do it um but kevin i remember kevin feige we were talking one time and he's like you know after I had said yes to Dr. Strange, yeah, he pulled me aside and we were walking when he was like, hey, what do you, what do you think about Spider-Man? Do you like, Sp-? I was like, uh, yeah, I like, do I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> so, 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 you know, that's right. That started our whole thing, you know, uh, at Marvel and it's been such a joy. There's such uh, incredible filmmakers they're, they're They love what they do so much. They are there purely to just make fun things, things based on stuff they love. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, you know, it's hard making movies. It's really hard. It's never a, an easy thing to do. But when you can still find joy in it, even when it is hard, like that's how you know these are the right people to be making these movies, you yeah. know, and, and they have that in spades there. And I respect that so much. And I just have so much fun when we all get to work together. We're yeah. a bunch of little, it's like a bunch of kids, you know, who are dragging out their, their action figures going, all right, wouldn't it be cool if Spider-Man jumped off of here and hit Green Goblin in the head with this thing. And, you know, uh, and then Dr. Strange comes down and whips out the eye of Agamotto and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's literally... <laughs> conversations between 10 year olds is what it is <laughs> which like that must be so so fun to like see like hey you're gonna be doing the next spider-man movie it's like oh my gosh 10 year old me would be like beside himself yeah. you know kind of yeah. like adult me is behind beside myself um yes so like how does more specifically how does the opportunity to do thor love and thunder come come your way well, that was an interesting one because, you know, <laughs> Thor has a sort of a checkered past over there and 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 meaning <laughs> that, you know, it's been through so many different hands. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I remember seeing Ragnarok and thinking, whoa, that was really fun. That was great. But, you know, and I had worked soon after that, I worked with Taika on Jojo Rabbit. Yes. You know, yes. And he he had I didn't know Taika. He called me out of the blue and was just like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Would you want to come look at it? And, and I was just like, I read the script. And it was one of those times I did read the script. And I was like, this seems incredible. I definitely want to do this. And 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 I love Hunt for the Wilder People. And I'm a big fan of uh, uh, so much of the work that Taika has done over the years. Um, I think his sense of humor and his also sense of empathy for real characters is just just fantastic. So I was like, I'm in. So I did Jojo Rabbit. I loved that. And then when he asked me if I would do Thor, I was like, whoa, that's different. I never thought I'd do a Thor movie. That was not something that was on my <laughs> radar in any way. But I was like, sure, let's do that. And and what I loved about Love and Thunder was that it was really Jane's story. 
you know i mean yeah. you know as 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 much as thor is thor and and it's you know clearly uh, it's called thor i get it <laughs> uh, but it was really jane's story and i and i thought there was something special there about this predicament she found herself in you know uh and that's you know that's probably a too light a word to use for someone who has discovers they have cancer and is trying yeah. to deal with it but 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 that, that there was something very emotional emotional to me about that and i just really um i was really you know into that storyline and i just was like instantly like yeah i i i want to work on that movie and um so for me writing that score was really it was writing it mostly for jane's character yeah you know, and, and, uh, you know, because all, in my mind, you know, this Thor had fought so many battles over the years, had done so many things, but no matter how hard those battles were, no matter how hard he had to fight, uh, it was nothing compared to the battle Jane was just beginning to start. Right. You know, right. against this thing. So I felt like to have a, a movie that where he realizes this could be very special. And uh, so, so, you know, sitting down to write that theme, that's where it all started. And if you, you know, the beginning, if you, you know, mama's got a brand new hammer. Mama's like got that. a brand new hammer. Yeah. That, that. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, that was the thing, the first thing I wrote. And I, you know, I just wanted that to reflect again. That's a perfect example of how I felt about this movie. Yeah. It's emotional, but it's also got screaming, you know, electric guitar solos at the same time. <laughs> and when Taika was here, I remember Taika was here. I played it for him for the first time. He was just sitting on that sofa back there listening. And um, and it's it's all the emotional stuff up front, right? And right. He's sitting there, he's listening, he's focused, focused. And then when that big synth comes in, his eyes lit up. He was just, <laughs> what? what and he stood up and he was just listening and then when the guitar came in he started air guitaring the whole thing in the office during the whole thing and you know it's like that's you know, awesome seven minutes or whatever. and he was ha i i wish i had that on video i don't but i wish i did uh, but it was hilarious and he was having so much fun with it and he was just like yes this is the movie this feels like the movie you know so that's that's where it all started um and uh and yeah that's that's where that 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 that's how that all happened so, there's a few things in there i want to like i want to i want to pick at um you, you mentioned the, the 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 title of kind of that that opening you know the mom has got a brand new hammer uh and what i've noticed is looking through like the soundtracks of the movies you've worked on is you have a lot of fun with titles is yeah, that like i know and you know what there are some people that hate that and some people that oh, love i love it, it. And, and it's very funny to see the ones that get really annoyed. You know, I remember this one guy went on this rant on some message board and, and it was just like, does he not take his job seriously? Does he not take this seriously? And he was like, so pissed off. Uh, you know, I guess he wanted, you know, titles like the truck chase or <laughs> Into the desert or something very literal. Yes. That's, that's what he wanted. And I was like, eh. But it all started years ago on Alias with my my music editor, Steve Davis. And Steve Davis, you know, you're doing one episode a week. That's a lot of work. And you're writing yeah. like 30 to 40 minutes of music and a bunch of cues. And Steve would just do these crazy titles, you know, that were all pun based. 
and and I loved them so that it turned into this little sort of um, competition. Whoever could come up with the best Q title wins, you know? Yeah. So we would do these back and forths and it just grew from there and we just never stopped doing it at all, you know? And it just became a thing. And And at first it was just to keep ourselves amused. Right, right. And, you know, years go by and you realize, oh yeah, these these are the forever names of these <laughs> these cues. <laughs> I remember Matt Reeves was just like on, on, uh, you know, I guess it was, uh, let me in and, and, and he's reading the Q title. He's like, Michael, really, really, Michael. He goes, I worked so hard on this movie. He's like, I worked for years on this movie and you do this to me. This is what you do to me. And, oh, uh, man. Like, I, sorry. I, you know, it is, you know, so Matt tolerates it. It's, it's fine. Even on Batman, he was just like shaking his head, but, um, but you know, it's fun. It's something fun to do. One of my favorite ones is uh, is from the Batman. Is the funeral and a bat, or it's a, um. Oh gosh, I've got the real phrase in my in my head, but it's like a funeral and a, and a bad place, something like that. Um, uh, it's, it's so well. Pa- Paul Applegren uh, did a lot of those, and even Curtis threw in some of those too, as well. You know, um, it's always a group effort. The titles, <laughs> you know. I always like, I, I think, you know, Paul Applegren was the music editor on um, Planet of the Apes and Apes of Wrath to me is like one of the, Apes one of the, of one, Wrath. Of the one of the all time, <laughs> all time, you know, Q titles ever. And uh, that, that, Man, that, that distinction so goes good. to Paul Applegren, who is always, you know, uh, just hilarious. Like he's, I don't know, it's great. So it's all silly fun, but it's just something to keep us like, Right. Keep the mood light and keep us happy, having fun. And, you know, again, I don't we do take this very seriously, all of us. But but you can't take it that seriously. You right. Know? Yeah. It, you, you still got to enjoy doing it. Got to have fun making it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's or like the uh, what's the common like Internet thing is like they're getting paid X amount. It was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean they have to like hate it. Yeah, <laughs> like... No, no. You know, cause no matter what, it's always going to be hard. It's incredibly hard to do any, yeah. all of this work. And uh, you know, so you have to find ways to just keep it light, keep it going. So, so more specifically with, with love and thunder, uh, you reference like the classic rock, like kind of vibe that um, Ragnarok had and definitely love and thunder had it. What was yep. like, what was it like incorporating that style of music into a a a score like Love and Thunder? With like the Sweet Child of Mine um, was definitely like at the forefront of of Love and Thunder. It's what comes to mind when I think of the movie. At least, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of times you're not sure what songs are going to end up in the movie. You know, you yeah. don't know because you know they put them in while they're editing and hope that they can pay for them. Some of these songs are very expensive to use, yeah. even if you just use a small portion of it, especially a song like, you know, something uh, like Sweet Child of Mine, you know. So there's always discussion. So I, I don't I don't worry too much about that. And uh, that happens somewhere else. And I just do what I need to do and what yeah. I think is need w- would work. Um you know, so thankfully there was some crossover between what I did with that theme and 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 with the songs that they chose for the film, and uh, and it worked out great. You know that when when they get on the boat and they head towards, uh, they they take off from New Asgard in the yeah. movie. There used to be a song there. I can't even remember what it was. Maybe it was a Dio song or something. I forget. Okay. What it was. <laughs> you know, um, 
but there was like, you know, a moment where I felt like, you know, this is actually a serious moment. Like they're going to do something. They gotta deal with yeah. a serious thing. We can't make light of everything. So we ended up putting the theme in there instead. Yeah. Uh, which seemed to carry us through nicely in in into the the go see that what's it, Russell Crowe do his thing. Uh, so <laughs> in his tennis skirt. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, so sometimes you're you have those sort of discussions when you're making the film and 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 it could go either way. And and sometimes what I think is what ends up in there. Sometimes what the director thinks is what, you know, it's always a discussion, yeah. you know, um, you can't just say it and, 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 and have it happen. It, you have to have a really good reason and an understanding of the story to, to be able to back up what it is you you're saying and asking for. Um, so, but in, in Thor's case, it would all just sort of ended up working nicely together, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, I, and this may be maybe a difficult question to answer, but I, you know, you you've worked on so many different films, and now you've worked on so many different Marvel films. Did you have like a a favorite moment or a favorite time of working on Love and Thunder? Uh, Love and Thunder was hard because yeah, yeah, they they moved their schedule. All this pandemic stuff really messed with that whole couple of years of work for me, and. Uh, Love and Thunder was the one where I actually, I, I was able to write about half of that movie and then Werewolf production kicked in and I had to oh. go to Atlanta and we were going to go start shooting. So I had uh, uh, Nami uh, Malumid, who, who is, I had worked with on American Pickle before. She, I wrote the theme for that and she wrote the score. And, and I was like, Nami, do you want to help me out with this? Because <laughs> I got to go shoot Werewolf. <laughs> and so on the weekends, I would be writing music for Thor uh, when I could, you know, while we were shooting or, or in prep. And then at some point, it, 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 Nami just kind of finished the last, you know, half to a third of the movie. And she would write and then send it to me. I'd give thoughts and she would then do it. But she's incredible. Nami, awesome. she does the music for um, Star Trek Prodigy, which is a really cool. Good show. Good show. show. Yeah, a really great show. She does Strange New Worlds as well oh, yeah uh she's fantastic she's just w one of my and also just one of the greatest people on the planet so she did help me bring that one home so we have to give uh credit to her as well um you know prior to that i, I had written all the themes for it so everything was there gore's theme all of those things it was just a matter of like okay let's get this finished together and she's she's just wonderful to work with um so that was a tough one all the other ones i was able to do but I had six movies that year. So you have six, which was insane. And it was all Jeez. because of the pandemic. Everything got shut down. And then when they figured out how, how they can go back into production again, everything went back up at the same time. So it was just oh my like, gosh. you know, going from uh, Bat, you know, or Spider-Man to Batman to, to Lightyear to, it was just like this endless, like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I, I didn't leave. I didn't leave this room for a long time. Um, and then, uh, like I said, went to Atlanta for um, Werewolf, and then that was it. And then I was on Werewolf, and then when that was it, then I had no more movies to do. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I can take a break. It was two. It was a really tough two years, but also a really fun two years. In yeah, in that I had a lot of fun things to work on. I know that the world itself was not fun during those two two years. It was yeah. tough during yeah. lockdown and all of that. But um, I was thankful I had these projects to work on while I was, you know trapped at home and you you helped provide people with a lot of escape 
Yes. When, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The projects themselves gave me escape and then putting them out to everyone else, it, 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 it provided that so that you're right. That was, that's a, that, and you always think about that. You're always remembering when it gets really hard and you're like, oh, why am I doing this? This is like impossible <laughs> and things, you know, it's like, this is never going to get done or the schedule is impossible. You always think about the end result and what that means to, to so many people out in the world, because yeah. I just remember what it meant to me as a kid, you yeah. know, that these movies were coming out. And when something new, even on television or whatever, it was like, it was a big deal, you know, and you, 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 you know, it's a, it's a good thing putting art into the world for right. people and to devour. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So. And yeah, and yeah. now I, now I can, you know, as I'm sitting there, you know, watching Lightyear for the hundredth time with my son, I'll be like, <laughs> okay, Michael worked really hard on this <laughs> so, <laughs> so that we can enjoy this. Not just watch it and have fun. <laughs> so I, um, I just wanted to, before we get to our, uh, our thunder round, which is uh, one yep. of my favorite parts of the show that we do, I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Like, is there anything like that we, we started talking about that you didn't get to necessarily finish your thought on or something that you feel would be like an omission before we leave our, our conversation for the people listening today that, you know, have a, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like we covered a lot of things. I mean, my question, I do have a question for you. Oh, fantastic. I, mean, I, I would love to know, like, what was your first Thor interaction? Okay. I never get tired of telling this story. Um, so um, as a kid, I grew up far away from comic book stores. So I didn't really know comic books weren't a part of growing up. But two things were a constant in my life. I loved Star Wars movies um, and I loved the Lord of the Rings movies and mm -hmm. like the, you know, talking about music so much, like the music for both of those franchises is so iconic. Like I could hum it. Yeah. I could hum so many different pieces right now, yep. um, but I won't subject listeners to that. So um, those two, you should make a different podcast where that's all you do. <laughs> Ryan hums music. <laughs> that should be better. Um but those two franchises meant so much to me. They I mean so much to me even now. And like John Williams' music and Howard Shore's music is just so, yeah, yeah just it makes me makes me feel good. And yep, yep. Um, I as I was you know getting older though, I, these things called Marvel movies started to come out. And you know I had seen the X Men movies, I had seen the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies, but I never found a character that really resonated with me because i was a sci-fi and fantasy you know kid but then this guy shows up in this long flowing cape flying through space with a hammer and he's speaking in like this stan lee shakespearean you know forsooth yep. language and i'm like that's my guy <laughs> like he combines the two things wow. i love about fandom and you know he's he's a spacefaring Viking. That's all you have to. That's all you have to tell me. And so then <laughs> I, I I saw obviously I saw the first film. I loved it. Um, I still think it's one of the best superhero origin movies. Um, and I started reading Jason Aaron comics a little bit of Matt Fraction, but then uh -huh. I started reading Jason Aaron's Thor, which is you know largely what a lot of Love and Thunder is influenced by. Yep. And I mean. I, Jason's run on Thor. We spent uh, last year. We spent the whole year looking through his run on Thor, and uh, that those books mean a lot to me. Um, they came into my life at a really important time, and uh, yeah, so I've loved the movies. I've loved the comics, but it all came from being a 
a Star Wars fan and a Lord of the Rings fan, you know, uh, renting VHS, you know, picking up VHSs at my public library. That's oh, that's it. how it started. That's yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. No, I and, love um, nerd origin stories. <laughs> so we all, we all love a good them. origin story. We all have them. <laughs> but uh, Michael Giacchino, this is the time of the, the show where we put our creator guests through the thunder round. This is um, Jason Aaron named this ep- this segment. Uh, well, I wanted to call it the lightning round. He was like, doesn't thunder round make more sense? It's like, okay, it's yeah, now yeah. the thunder round. Um, right. the, the all father said so. So um, five questions to get to know you and uh, okay. we'll have some fun with this one. If you were a superhero, what would your powers be? Oh, now, like, could you just take blanket powers from a particular character you, or you have to pick one? No, you can you can do either, whichever you prefer. You know, it's the cop out. It is a complete cop out. But got to say Superman. He could do so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're only going to be able to like, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to take Superman's powers because, you know, I can get around easy. It's much cheaper than trying to afford a a, a private jet, which is impossible. I'll know that'll never happen for me. So it's like, uh, if I could fly, that'd be great. Um, All of it. Yeah, I think I think I think that's you know I always loved Superman. I always found him to be such a an I I love the character because not because of his power, but because of the sadness that comes with having that sort of power. There's something very empathetic about that, and that. He's always going to be somewhat separate. So I'd have to, I'd, I have to go Superman. Absolutely. What is your number one pet peeve? Oh, man, is <laughs> when I'm watching a movie. Because I, I probably have a lot of them, but, but, but when I'm watching a film and I, and I can tell that the person writing music for that film is not paying attention to the story. Hmm. you know or 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 that the filmmaker doesn't understand his own story enough to ask for the right music in a particular moment you know yeah Uh, so it's 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 sort of a very but it's something i'm so in tune with that i can't help thinking about these things when i'm watching something so um for example I mean, I'm not going to give specific examples. Right, but, right. Uh, I was for not example, when a, Yeah, when, a, when, when, when someone is pushing too hard to make you feel something, you know what I mean? I can always tell when there's a trouble with a scene and the music is doing working overtime to make you <laughs> believe whatever it wants you to believe. And you're like, okay, you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's just gets too pushy. So that's a big, uh, that's a big pet peeve of yeah. mine, you know, just that. Because I, 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 I I like stories that you're being told and you, you don't even know what's happening, but you just start feeling something. And that's when everything is just sort of like working together very nicely, yeah. you know? Uh, and when I start thinking about those other things, that means there's something else going on that, that isn't quite working. <laughs> you're being pulled out of the moment in a, yeah. in a way that you shouldn't be. Exactly. So when you're, uh, you're, you're in a long day of work and you need a go-to drink or snack, what is your go-to? Oh, like, we're talking alcoholic drink you again you can interpret this however you want well i do like tiki drinks a lot i like stuff like that but i i think you know one of my favorite drinks is a drink called a barbacoa okay and that's an amazing drink that uh, warren brown who is my recording engineer 
he is also one of the world's greatest mixologists. Oh wow! And he makes a That's version convenient. of the barbacoa that I I love so much. It's inc- it's an incredible drink. Look it up. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and then if 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 it's just like if you don't if you can't get that fancy with something, it's like <laughs> just a good old old fashioned to me is like a great drink. Okay, I love that. Awesome. When when you're not you know making films, music, directing, what are you doing for fun? That's pretty much all I do. <laughs> no, there's no the like, way, there's no hobby outside of you know. Of, all my of... hobbies became my work, uh, <laughs> and so I mean, uh, so so I mean, and by the way, those are all fun things for me to do. So like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, my work is fun, so I do that. So when I'm not working, I mean, the things I like to do is I like to to go out. I like to meet with friends. I like to hang out with the kids. I like to, um, you know, I'll watch movies with my son. I love doing that. I also, you know, model building is something I love, but I don't do enough of. And it's something I want to start to do more because I used to do it a lot as a kid. And uh, that's so that's probably something that I I could do more, which would, which would be separate and different from what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, but I love um traveling and I love history and I love going to historic places and learning about them so that you know it's a combination of different things but wow. you know, again all my hobbies eventually became my work <laughs> so uh you know Wait, so just a quick aside question from that yeah. uh last year um you know the whole uh, 2022 what was the what was your favorite movie you saw that you weren't involved with Last year, oh my God, I now have to remember what I saw. Uh, I, you know, I actually saw a movie last night. Oh, okay. That I was not involved in, that I was like, whoa, that was insane. And I loved it. It was called Triangles of Sadness. Triangle Triangles of Sadness. Sadness. Okay. You know, Woody Harrelson is in it. Uh, the, the whole cast is just incredible. And it's like such a different, crazy movie. Okay. And I was just like, I love that. Of course, I loved um, Glass Onion. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, love, I oh, so good. Yeah, yeah that, that that you know, for more of a fun sort of thing, that's a that's a that, that's a great film. But uh, but when I think of movies that I saw, like last night, I know it was just last night, but it was some it was a movie that I felt like wow, I had not seen a movie like this before. Okay, you know, yeah, I will I will great. check I will check that out. Um, yep. I do like I, I like Woody Harrelson movies, so that'll be, um, that'll be yeah. Be and, he, and he doesn't have the biggest part in it, but he has a very important part in it, and it's really it, it it it's it's a fascinating movie that you leave going wow, thinking about so many different aspects yeah. of it. You know, it, it, it's it's a movie. It's not just a candy bar movie where you eat it and then it's gone. It's it's a movie that will stick with you. Awesome, awesome. Well, that that is our thunder round. Thanks, Mike, for for playing that with us. Um, wow the the last the last bit here's i just want to give you an opportunity to tell people um if you got anything coming up you'd like to you know share or um you know how sure how people can interact with your with your stuff well i don't really have any movie scores at the moment coming up i've, I've actively kind of made some room so that i can continue directing and uh and i'll i'll, I'll score my movies of course you know that'd be fun uh but the next film that's on the docket right now is a movie called them which okay. is a sort of based on a 1950s monster movie, one of the original 1950s. I love that movie, movies. by the way. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I loved it as a kid. So I went to Warner Brothers and 
And I said, um, you know, they were asking me what 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 things are interested me and what I want. I said, you know, what really interests me is this this movie called Them. Oh, and so cool. uh, and they were like, wait, really? You know, they have all this DC <laughs> stuff. They have all these other things. Right. I was like, I like that. And they were just like, uh, sure. What's your take? I told them my take on it. And they were like, okay, let's make it. And I was like, wait, really? This is how this works? This You just go in and say something and then they go, let's make it? I was like, okay. So are yeah, you doing so the that's, music that's for that? Or are you directing right it? Oh, I'll dir I'm directing it. Yeah, oh I'm directing it. Gosh. Yeah. I'm, 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 so just so you know, ever since Werewolf by Night came out, I've been in this mode of like, I've got to watch all the oldest horror movies and yeah. sci-fi. Like I have been, um, I'm currently, you know, in my, in my spare time, I'm, I'm watching through all the universal monster movies. That's the best. And amazing. E even the ones that like, I've never heard of. And, yep. and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's things about these movies that are just incredible. And, and like, when I watched Werewolf by Night, I had I had just gotten done watching all of the Mummy movies. Uh -huh. I I just, and I, I was about to start the Wolfman stuff, and then Werewolf by Night came out, and I was like, "Well, shit, there goes the next five months of my life." You know, I'm just gonna be watching nothing but monster movies, and uh -huh. um, oh, you're gonna be directing them. That is so freaking awesome. Yeah. So I'm really um, psyched about that. We're in the process of finding our writer right now, and and uh you know we'll be digging in it's early days but it's going to be so much fun to do i can't wait oh my god i'm i'm so stoked for that um but uh wow michael thank you for stopping by and, and chatting with us and th thank you again to matt and jacob for for, absolutely. for helping yeah. set this up happy to be here thanks for thanks for having me on absolutely but uh, and, and you you're on instagram and twitter right that's people can yeah. follow you yeah, yeah 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 i'm on both of those things you can find me on instagram uh, I forget what my handles are, but it shouldn't be too hard to find. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm not the greatest at keeping up with it. And usually I just do silly things. Uh, but I also, <laughs> I also find those things to be, you know, in, in their own way, uh, terribly distracting and, yeah. and uh, you know, so I, I, I try to limit it, but you know, we could all probably do with a break from it, you know, yeah. from, definitely from time to time, but um, everybody. Yeah. That's, that's our episode. That's our conversation for today. I hope you've enjoyed this chat with Michael. You can follow us at mighty Thor podcast on Instagram. And uh, if you are so inclined, you can uh, support the show on Patreon at uh, mighty Thor podcast, where you can get early episodes, bonus episodes, and you can just learn about maybe, maybe the next guest that's going to be on the show uh, ahead of time. And we've got Who some, we've be? got some amazing, <laughs> we've got some amazing guests coming up. Um, one that I'm in a few weeks, I'm very, very excited for. And um, we're, yeah, we're going to keep rolling there. So if you want to support us there, awesome. If you're just, you know, you can just listen. That's another great way of supporting us. But um, until we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I encourage all of you to do one thing, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, stay worthy. Thank <laughs> you.